Until you come, Lord, to call us on, we, we're yours. Body, soul, mind, and spirit, how can we not be? We owe you every breath, every blessing, every mercy. You're just a great God. So we come this morning to worship you. And the good news is you showed up too. Thank you for that. All the glory, praise, and honor goes to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. <coughs> So we've been uh, talking these days about how to treat people in a Christ-like manner, and that's a good thing because, as it turns out, it's very important to God how we treat people. And so a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, we talked about turning this place into a no-judgment zone, and we let Jesus teach us about how important it is that we don't judge one another. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about this not being a no-pushing zone. We're not going to push our agenda and push our pearls of wisdom on people around us, we're just going to lovingly tell the truth of Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit do what he does. And then last week, uh, Jake filled in for me, did a great job, wonderful preaching. And, and this week, <coughs> I want to talk to you uh, uh, about another no zone. Now, I'm going to be using Ortberg and Russell and Wearsby and Barkley and all that. But I want to talk to you this morning about this being a no selfie zone. And I think you'll understand what I mean as we get to talking. I, I, I want to start with a question. I want to ask you, what is it in your life that you value so much? I mean, you love so much that if somebody violates that, somebody misuses that, you just go bonkers. Now, I guess it could be a pet peeve. I'm thinking about something deeper than that. But I was talking to a friend last week who has a friend whose pet peeve is logic. He loves logic. And so if anybody misuses logic, he just goes off. And, for example, he hates it when people misuse a word like literal. He says, if somebody says, my, my head literally exploded, he said, there better be brain matter on the ground someplace or my buddy's going to want to know why because he values logic. I'm talking about something a little deeper than a pet peeve. How about something you really value? I, I was talking to a friend last week, a very close friend here from church. I won't mention her name because you'll know who she is immediately. But we were talking about her husband. And this guy, I've known most of my life, is one of the most generous, gentle, uh, loving person you ever want to meet. And I have watched people for years step on him and mistreat him and take advantage of him. And he never flinches. I mean, it's amazing. He just lets it happen. But uh, she was telling me something that happened last week uh, concerning him and what he did. We laughed till we were sick. I guess he ordered some food from the DoorDash people. You know, and they bring it to your house, and it's all convenient. Well, anyway, he ordered the food. He paid for the food, but they didn't bring the food. And he went off because you don't mess with this guy's food. You know what I'm talking about? His head exploded. There was brain matter on the floor. She said he was on the phone for an hour and a half letting these people have it. He was going to take them to the Better Business Bureau over $9 worth of food. Why? Because you could take advantage of him in a lot of places, but you don't mess with this guy's food. He values his food. So we got pet peeves, and then we got stuff like that to value. But I want to go even deeper now. Let's talk about family, people for a minute. 
And I'll use myself as an illustration here. There, there are some people in my life that if you misuse them and you spread gossip about them and you try to hurt them and I find out about it, look out. I mean, look out. I, I, I love the staff at South Union Christian Church, and I can tell Christy Webster stories from now till tomorrow afternoon. She's a blast, so much fun to make fun of. And, and, and Jackie makes mistake after mistake. Lori, when, and when she was there, we had so much fun making fun of her and on and on and on the staff. But I'm going to tell you something. If you try to misuse Christy Webster, you try to spread a rumor about her, you try to hurt her and I get wind of that, you're going to pay. You know why? Because I love Christy Webster. And I love the staff there. You better not mess with her. And how about my family? My family? You know, I've said for years, when somebody stops me on the road, robs me, take my money, my billfold, my car, I won't shoot anybody over there. Are you kidding me? That's just stuff. But if you try to take one of my kids, my grandkids, you mess with her, it's sin or mass. You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because I value them more than anything on the planet. So you see what I'm talking about? Now I'm going to ask you again. What is it in your life right now, think about that for a minute, that you value so much that if somebody misuses it, takes advantage of you, you're going to go off. While you're thinking about that, let me ask you, what do you think about God? What do you think God values so much that if you mistreat it, mis- mishandle it, abuse it, he, he's going to just go off on it? And, and I, you know, I, there's pet peeves with God, I'm sure. He's the creator. And so I'm sure when we pollute the oceans and put holes in the ozone and ruin the rainforest and waste food that he's given us. I'm sure that ticks him off. He loves music. So I'm sure when we write bad music, nasty music, we take advantage of that. That makes him mad. But I I don't think those things are on the top of God's list. And and incidentally, he has a list. You remember that? Because we've talked about it before. Proverbs 6.16 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. It's quite the list. Let's talk about a couple of them. Haughty eyes, what's that? Well, when you see somebody walking down the mall or going through the restaurant and they don't fit your normal, they're bigger than you, smaller than you, uglier than you, different than you, and you make fun of them, that's haughty eyes. Did you ever do that? God doesn't like that. When somebody thinks they're better than somebody because they're richer or smarter or prettier and they feel puffed up about that, those are haughty eyes. When somebody gets dismissed because of the color of their skin or their ethnicity, God hates that. How about lying tongues? When a spouse lies to her spouse or his spouse, when you lie to your kids, when a politician deceives people, cheats people, God hates that. That's a lying tongue. How about hands that, are, uh, that shed innocent blood? When we use the hands that God gave us to take care of each other, to instead commit violent acts, man, he hates that. When we use those hands to grab things and clutch things and get greedy with stuff, instead of handing it out and being generous like Jesus was, boy, he doesn't like that at all. When we use those hands to write emails that blast somebody or make a Facebook post to bust somebody's spirit. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and then the, the writer says something really strange. This is Solomon, by the way. He says, um, 
six things that God hates, uh, seven that's detestable to him. And it's, the idea is not that he got into six and he said, oops, I forgot one, number seven. No, in this poetic language, number seven is the emphasis. This is the one that he really hates, a man who stirs up dissension among the brethren. One translation says, somebody who stirs up dissension in the community. You say, what's that mean? That means exactly what we've been talking about here. When somebody gets judged, when somebody gets pushed, when somebody feels belittled, when there's human trafficking, when there's child abuse, when we go about the business of killing an unborn baby. Are you kidding me? When somebody who's disabled gets ignored or made fun of, God hates that. Or when we live in a world where that's going on around us all the time and we don't do anything to stop it. Close our eyes, close our heart, suit yourself, you know. Take a selfie. God hates that. And you know why he hates that? Because as it turns out, the most valuable thing on the planet to God is his people. And if you mess with his people, there comes a time where you better look out. Well, he sent Jesus to teach us all about this. And he lived it out. It's amazing to watch. And you've read it and seen it. In fact, Jesus said one time, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And then in a way that only Jesus could do, he gave the cliff notes to all the law and all the prophets ever been written in, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, which any hermeneutic professor will tell you has never been a sermon preached like that in the history of mankind. It, the cliff notes on all the law and the prophets, and then in a way that only Jesus could do because he's the greatest teacher to ever walk the planet, he gave a cliff note to the cliff notes when he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, so in all things, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. This sums up the law and the prophets. All the laws and all the prophets can be summed up in one clear teaching. You do unto others as you will have others do unto you. It's genius. It's amazing. I don't care what your theology is. This would keep you busy for the rest of your natural life. It's the golden rule. It's pretty simple stuff. You walk down Kirkwood tomorrow and you see some homelessness and you will see some homelessness. You ask yourself, if I was homeless, how would I like to be looked at or not looked at? How would I like to be talked to or not talked to? How would I like to be treated or not treated? That's the golden rule. You go to write a, a, an email tomorrow or make a Facebook or Instagram post like we talked about early. You, you, the golden rule will ask, how would I like to feel? What would I like to see in this post? How much mercy and grace would I like to see? How would I like to feel when I was done reading this? You get in an argument tomorrow home with your spouse or your kids? You ask yourself, what's a golden rule argument look like? It's genius. It, 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 we normally focus on how we feel. Somebody says, how was your day? That's translated, how did people treat you today? How did life treat you today? But the golden rule flips that all the way around. How did you treat people today? How did you treat life today? It's so empowering because we're not victims of life anymore. We become agents of life the way we're supposed to be through Jesus Christ. I mean, you can use this anywhere. You can use the golden rule on people you like, and you can use the golden rule on people you don't like. And if you do the second, you end up liking them. It's crazy how that works. You can use the golden rule when you text. You can use the golden rule when you drive. You can use the golden rule by not texting while you drive. Can I get an amen? You can use a, uh, the golden rule with people that are different than you, that think different, that talk different than you. Listen to this one. You can use the golden rule on people who aren't the same political party as you. That's something. It's amazing how this works. And the neat thing about the golden rule is not just a rule. 
Rules just tell you what not to do. Don't touch wet paint. Don't drive over 65 miles an hour. Don't step on the grass. This is just avoidance. There's no imagination there. But the golden rule is all about imagination. Jesus says, I want you to use your heart and the Holy Spirit that I've given you and use your imagination on how you treat other people. It's good stuff. William Barclay, in his commentary, talks about the silver rule, which is the negative end of the golden rule, and it says, don't do unto others what you would not want others to do unto you. And that's a real good start, but the golden rule is the next step because it's a call to action. It's an unlimited opportunity for you and I to begin to creatively love people and treat them the way Jesus wants us to, like we've been talking about for several weeks. And it's universal. It's amazing. Jesus doesn't say, do unto your family, do unto your church family, do unto your Christians, do unto the people who like to talk about conspiracy theory, do unto others who don't like to talk about conspiracy theory. Don't do unto other Democrats, do unto other Republicans. See, we're all good at that, but this is universal. He uses the Greek word anthropos, which is the word we get anthropology, which means all of humankind, everybody. You treat everybody the way you want to be treated, your enemies and your, and your friends and your neighbors. It's great what he's got put up here. And oh my goodness, did he teach this and live it? If I'd have been a leper in Jesus' day, I would have loved for somebody to touch me. But nobody would touch a leper. Jesus did. Had I been a kid during Jesus' day, I would have loved for somebody to get down on their knee and speak to me and bless me and put me on their lap. But kids were the lowest people on the totem pole. Nobody had time for kids, especially rabbis. Jesus did. If I'd been a prostitute in Jesus' day, male or female, I would have loved for somebody to treat me with a little respect and dignity, but nobody would do that. No rabbi. Jesus did. All the way to the cross when he's hanging between two thieves and one criminal said to him, I'd like you to remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus could have said, are you kidding? Remember you? You've been a criminal your whole life, man. And when this whole started, you were cheering me too. No, Jesus said, I'm going to do unto others. Today, pal, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus lived the golden rule life. He taught the golden rule message. He died a golden rule death, and he set up a golden rule community. And it is so simple. Man, I'm telling you, we have made life so complicated. That's why we're all so busy, even during COVID, because we got to get the best grades in class, and we got to get to the best college, and we got to get the best career, and we got to make the most money, and we got to marry the right person because we don't want to miss anything, right? No. You do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That sums up everything, and everything will turn out good. I love what John Ortberg says. He says, no life that is lived by the golden rule is misspent, no matter how unimpressive it looks by human standards. And no life that violates the golden rule is well spent, no matter how impressed other people might be by it. Isn't that good? Good teaching. In, In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter said this of Jesus. He said, he was anointed by God, and filled with the Holy Spirit and power, and then he just went about doing good. Anointed by God, filled with power and the Holy Spirit, and he just went about doing good. Let me ask you something. How, how much money do you have to do have to go around doing good? How smart do you have to be to go around doing good? How, how many likes do you have to have? How much talent to go around doing good? Peter said Jesus just went around doing good. That's what we need to be doing, church, treating people. These days... Uh, that's what we need to be doing. 
Now here, this is the same thing with any other teaching that we do, any other Bible study. It, we're not going to learn this by talking about it, me preaching about it. We got to practice this. Where? Everywhere. When? All the time. To who? Everybody. The golden rule. We need to live that way. So I thought, here's what we'll do at the end today. We're going to practice tomorrow, starting tomorrow. We're going to have a golden rule Monday. Let's all do it tomorrow. And we can start, number one, at home. Golden rule uh, Monday at home. 1 Timothy 5, 4 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he's, listen to this, denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer. Pretty powerful, right? So let's start. Let's practice the golden rule at home. You say, how do you do that? Let me give you a few examples. Some of you know we've been quarantined. That's why we missed last Sunday. Ashley got the COVID. She, she didn't get the COVID. She got COVID. Okay. Anyway, so she's fine now, too, and she's out of quarantine. But we were out for 10 days. Well, while we're out, my kids wanted me to make some snickerdoodles. Allison Dimmitt from here at church taught me how to make snickerdoodles, and now I'm probably the best at it. So anyway, uh, my kids, uh, y- you know, I'm thinking I want to do unto others. So I made two batches of snickerdoodles. And I said, no applause, no, no applause, it gets better. So I got up the next morning. I made one batch the night before. I got up the next morning, had my coffee and my prayer time. Incidentally, quarantine, prayer time, that's <laughs> like a day of solitude every day, Lori. It's amazing. And, and then when I was done with that, I went out in the kitchen to make another set of cookies. And the sink is loaded on both sides because I'd made a mess the night before. And I know her, when she gets up in the morning, she doesn't like dishes messy. So she's going to, first thing, right after her hair still over here, all, she's going to do dishes. You know what I mean? So I got to thinking to myself, if that was me, I, and I got up and saw that mess, I'd want to get back to bed. But I want to do one to others. So I did the dishes. Now, again, don't hold your applause, man, because it gets better. All right, it gets better. No, no. So anyway, then I go out in the living room, and I see a pair of socks, underwear, and a T-shirt, and I'm thinking if that was my spouse that left that laying around, I'd want them to clean up their own mess. So I cleaned up my own mess. Now, look, again, no applause. It gets better than this, all right? So then I jumped in the car, and I came to church. I locked both doors because she was in the shower, and I came to church to get some stuff because we were sermonizing. Uh, Nobody was here, and I cleaned everything off. When I got home, pouring down rain, I got on the back porch, and I didn't have my keys. So I'm banging on the door. She can't hear me. She's in the shower. So um, I ran around the pouring down rain to the front door. I'm going to bang on it. And the front door is wide open. I don't mean unlocked. It is wide open, just, just the, the storm door. And I'm thinking to myself, if I was dumb enough to lock one door and leave the other open, I wouldn't want my spouse saying anything about it. So I didn't even mention anything to her. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I probably wouldn't want my spouse telling everybody at church how dumb I was to leave one door open. You've got a good point there. But this is not Golden Rule Monday. This is Selfish Sunday. So I'm telling you all about it, right? Seriously, those of you that know my wife, she's a Golden Rule every day. That's why we have the home we have. That's why I'm spoiled the way I am. And I'm telling you, if you practice the golden rule in your home, there'll be no betrayal. There'll be no child abuse. There'll be no divorce. It's all off the table. Because when you practice this at your home, you have love and dignity and joy. So tomorrow, golden rule Monday at home. Number two, how about your friends? Proverbs 18.24 says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm going to tell you, if you treat your friends the golden rule, you'll live out this scripture. I went up two weeks ago to have breakfast with Paul Neiswanger, my buddy from Plainfield that you've met, hear about all the time. And we had a great time. When we were done, when we, were done, we started playing that, who's going to pick up the check game? I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to do it. Give me that check. No, no, no. Who gets to bless who? 
Well, how about tomorrow, Golden Monday, if Paul and I get together for breakfast? When he goes to pick up the check, I say, you know what? Thank you, man. That blesses me a lot. Thank you for doing that. Because I, I know what that would do for him. I know Paul. Last week when we were in quarantine, him and Nancy got up at 6 o'clock in the morning and went to Al's Donuts in Plainfield, which is my favorite place of all time, drove all the way to Bloomington and put them on my front porch. He loves to bless people. So how about tomorrow morning I say, thank you, Paul, for breakfast, and I bless him. I might just do that the rest of our life. Number three, how about if the, just the golden rule with the people we run into tomorrow? You know the folks, everybody. 1 John 3.11 reads, this is the message we heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 4.20 reads, for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot, cannot, cannot love God whom he has seen. Doesn't that make sense? So tomorrow you're shopping at Kohl's because their jeans are on sale or because you got one of those things in the mail where you scratch it, you get 30% off. So you're at Kohl's and you got your stuff done and you get up to the counter and the gal on the other side of the counter says to you, how would you like to save 10% today and open a Kohl's code? And then you can join a rewards card member and you can get an annoying email every hour, every day for the rest of your normal life. Don't you just hate that? We're always in such a hurry. We're always, oh, no. How about tomorrow, Golden Rule Monday? We look across the counter and we see somebody with hope and a dream just like we've got. We see somebody across the counter who Jesus loved and died for just like us. We see somebody who doesn't really care if we have a charge card or not, but management has told them they have to ask. And so tomorrow for Golden Rule Monday, we say, you know what? I was hoping you asked me for that. Let's do it. And you just fill the thing out and have fun with it. When you get home, you can throw it away. But you've practiced Golden Rule Monday. One more, and I'll start walking down with this so you know I'm about done. How about work? We can practice the golden rule Monday at work tomorrow. And I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're principal, teacher, uh, bus driver, uh, stay-at-home mom, factory worker. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for man. Uh, <coughs> so a couple years ago when we went to Disney, imagine that, we were in Disney. We, uh, Aaron got us some hopper passes to go to all four parks in one day. Now, we have never done that. Listen, the reason we get to go down there every year is because we camp and she pays for the campground, and we only go to one park. But this year, we're going to all four parks in one day. So we're all 11 of us. I mean, we're excited, man. We're going to have a blast. And uh, so we're in and out of all three parks, uh, for the first three parks, in and out of security. We got into the third part, and I looked at my watch. We'd been in there about 10 minutes. I said, i got to go back to the campground. Why? i got to take care of the dogs. So I walked uh, three-quarters of a mile back to the bus center. The, those of you that have played the bus game down there know what I'm talking about. And, and I got on a bus, and they went to every other place first and then dropped off the rednecks at the campground. So I got off at the campground. I got on a golf cart, ran back, took care of the dogs, came back up and went through the whole process again. An hour and a half later, I'm going through the checkpoint again to go in the park, and this female Barney Five. Sir, you're going to have to empty your pockets. I said, I already did. She said, no, you got something else in there. I had a two-and-a-half-inch buck knife that Angie had bought me for our anniversary, and she took it. I'm going to have to keep this knife, and I had had it. <laughs> I said, no, you're not getting the knife. You guys have pushed me as far as you're going to push me. I've spent the last dime I'm going to spend in this place. You have nickel and dime me to death. Give me the knife. I'm not giving you the knife. Now, you can take it back to your resort. Where are you staying? I said, campground. She said, you can take it back there. I said, I'm not going through that again. Give me the knife. No, sir, you can't have the knife. And I said, then you give me $12.95. I won't charge you tax. But you're 
buying that night. We're not going to take it. Back and forth we went. She finally went to get the boss, and Harry came with a smile on his face from Mickey Mouse here to Mickey Mouse there. And he's, what's the problem? And I said, the problem is you've pushed me over the limit. I'm done with you. You're not having a knife. Now, you buy it from me. But you're not. So I went through the whole thing. I said, can we go for a walk? So, yeah. So we went through the walk. We're in the park by now. And he started in on this lecture about domestic terrorism. And, oh, my goodness. It was like he was talking down to me. And the more he went, the more, oh. And finally, he turned and said, Mr. Kane. I said, what? And he said, I'm going to shake your hand. And when I do, your knife's going to be in it. I'm going to ask you, don't take it out, not to cut a, an apple or an orange or open up a kid's gift today, and, and I'm going to ask you not to bring it back in the park. Would that work? And I said, Cal, you have diffused this. You are good. I don't know what class they sent you to, but you did a real good job because I'm good with that. And, and he said, I'd just like to do one to others. Just do one to others. That, that sums up the whole law and all the prophets, do one to others. <laughs> this you know you and I were created by a God who is so bright and so magnificently perfect that you and I have absolutely no hope of ever laying eyes on him no blemish no spot can ever get in front of that ever we've sinned way too much all of us today already we can't ever go to heaven because it's a perfect place and not even a shred of darkness can enter there wouldn't you like to have somebody that would do unto others as he would have others do unto him that would fix this? On the last night in the upper room, he did. Took a loaf, blessed it, said, this is my body broken for you. I want you. This is my blood shed for you. I want you. When you eat this and drink this together, remember me. Remember what I taught you. Remember what I gave you. Let's spend some time with you.